0: Curveball that you weren't sure what to do with? You know, the kind where you think someone should really do something about this. Have you ever thought maybe that's someone is me and then found yourself on a grand adventure you never saw coming? Me too. As a special needs mom, I have been saddened by what's available to my son. But instead of wallowing in it, I decided to do something about it. Along the way, I'm meeting extraordinary people and having the most wonderful experiences I never thought I'd have. I'm so inspired by what's happening around me that I want to share it all with you. Living Your Legacy is a community where ordinary people who've been called to create something bigger than themselves can come together to be inspired, connect, learn, and live into the legacies they want to see in the world. I'm your host, Michelle Slaney-Trovato, and this is the Living Your Legacy podcast. Hello everyone, Michelle saini Travado here. I would like to take a moment to welcome you back to the Living Your Legacy podcast and TV show. Super excited to have you with us today. On this podcast and TV show, we like to talk to people who do really cool things, not just like the run of the mill things that we all know about, but people who do things that are that little bit different, maybe a little mysterious. We're not really sure what it is or how it works. And we're going to talk to them about how this can apply to legacy. And of course, we love to interview people creating amazing legacies and the professionals who support them. And the lady that is with us today fits a bit into both categories, which is always exciting for me. And it's going to make for an amazing conversation. So let me introduce you to our guest on today's episode. Maribeth Decker, a retired naval officer, like right there, that's interesting, found her calling as an animal communicator. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not seeing the line connecting those two, so I'm going to get her to tell us about it. Um, After becoming a Reiki master, when her Siberian husky, who I think is named Mitsubishi, cursed her out as she was trying to use her energy healing on him. Now, we need to know that story for sure. He probably thought that language was okay because of her time in the Navy. I mean, you know guys, think swearing like a sailor. Through training and experience, Meredith became an animal communicator, a medical intuitive, an energy healer for animals and their people. I like how you put the animals first in that write-up, so we'll explore that. She is also the best-selling author of Peace in Passing, Comfort for Loving Humans, during animal transitions. Oh my gosh, Mirabeth, that is such an interesting introduction. Thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: I am so excited to be here.
0: <laughs> that is awesome. So Maribeth, I definitely want to hear the story of your husky, but before we get there, let's talk about this journey because it's not really something you would normally think for a naval officer to retire and then become an animal communicator. I'm not really seeing the the line that connected you from one to the other. So why do not you
1: tell us the story of how you got there? Well, uh, uh, as uh, to truth is, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> awesome. I'm not quite sure. Uh, uh it wasn't like I I retired and said, "Hmm, let's go talk to animals." Actually, I I um uh, I got I got another a regular job uh, in an association with staff member and things like that. And then um, towards the end, I've got this urge to explore something different. And that started with uh, learning how to do massage and then, then starting energy practices like Reiki and other things like that. And that's when my dogs started communicating with me. And the only thing I can figure out is, you know, they talk about the bucket list. Mm-hmm. My guess is <laughs> there is a few things I wanted to get finished, like raising my kids before I, I went over here. And that's the best I can come up with is I had a few things I needed to like get done so I could just do this. Um, and. That's my story. I'm sticking to it because that's the best I got right now. That's
0: amazing. I love that. And, you know, I think it's okay because this journey in life and the journey towards creating legacy usually isn't a nicely cleared Clearly laid out path in front of us. I mean, I've said this in several episodes. It's not like driving on an eight lane paved highway where you know exactly where you're going, you know exactly what speed to go and when you're going to arrive. It's more like bushwhacking. You're literally off the highway into the bushes and the thorny brushes somewhere and figuring it out as you go. So not knowing exactly how you got there, that's totally fine. I think most of us don't really know either. We just follow this intuition or feeling or that gut feeling you get or something sparks your interest that's never sparked your interest before and you pursue it a little further to see where it's going to take you so i love that you were really honest about that uh, cuz it's a thank it's you. a reality i think for most of us more than not
1: thank you you're you. welcome
0: yes. so now tell us about mitsubishi your siberian husky and what that was like so you're doing your reiki stuff you come home and you're like, I think I'm going to try this with my dog.
1: Well, Walk us through what happened. Okay. So you have to have the backstory. Okay. And I want you to, people like are, are aghast and then I'm, so I'm going to tell the whole story. So I hope you kind of see the humor and also the graciousness in that. His his uh, companion's name was Eddie, but well, she's a girl. She was a girl. They, they were named by the kids. I always got to say that. So I was doing some energy healing on Eddie at the very end of her life, and it, she she still transitioned, and of course, Mitsubishi is around like what's going on. and um so he he was having back problems, and this is after she transitioned, and I thought, energy healing, back problems, releasing pain. So I put my hands on his back, and he looked me right in the eye, and at the time I said, if he if he could talk, and I want people to hear this because if you ever, if that ever crossed your mind, you are hearing your animal. He just told me to to stop that SHIT because it killed Eddie. Like, oh. <laughs> what the heck? And he jumped off the couch and disappeared. So I, I was I was flabbergasted. And um when I when I figured out how I c- we could talk, I went back and said, look, I'm really sorry. It didn't kill Eddie. It helped her transition. And I really would like to try it on you again. And this time he let me do it. And he was okay with it. But I I was like, dog swear? <laughs> <laughs> I had the same question. Dog swear? Well, that's how it came through to me. And um, yeah, and he was watching Eddie too. He was noticing what was happening. So." I cleared it up for him. And that sometimes happens. Sometimes our pets misconstrue our, our purpose in doing things. So that was, I learned something with that one too. Hmm.
0: That is a really good story. Um, and you're right. I saw the humor in it. That was, that was actually pretty funny. Um, So now tell me a little bit about we've got your journey and how that changed. And so now tell us a little bit about the work you do in communicating with animals or as an animal communicator. What does that look like? Well, uh,
1: I love to talk about it. It's uh, and I'm getting better at it. (laughs) So fingers crossed. I, I do animal communication, which is uh, telepathy or mind-to-mind connections uh, with an idea that I'm kind of the go-between between the animal and their person. Mm-hmm. And so that they can have some conversations like, what the heck's going on with this behavior? And um, you, we, you're we, you in a great home. How come you're still scared? And it might be, a, which I've had, I've had some pups who are very, very scared because of the backgrounds they came from. And so there's a two-way communication, and we find out what's going on. So I'm not just saying your your dog just needs more belly rubs, okay? There's usually people come and say why why this behavior or um, how are they feeling physically. Then the medical intuition comes in. I I can pick things up in how they're doing. I can find out where. The problem started and then we do some healing to release either the um, what do you say the memories or the emotions around the memories of a past event that was pretty awful or even any of the low vibrational energy that may, may be around some of the physical problems people uh animals are having and um some people haven't heard about, you know, that there's there's energy behind the physical body. And uh, so the best way uh, I understood it is, is if you think about the nervous system, it's all electricity. And uh, if you've ever been around when when lightning strikes, you can hear it, but you can also feel it. So that mm-hmm. that that electrical energy comes through emotions, memories physical stuff there's an energy that's around there as well as the the body so that's what i I do all that so we're kind of sometimes we're relationship solving and sometimes we're doing behavioral and sometimes physical cool so tell us now what kinds of animals have you worked on i'm super curious um dogs and cats are the most frequent, but uh done horses, miniature mules, don't min- actually miniature donkeys. They're pretty nicer, like big dogs. Um parrots, cockatiels, uh, let's see what else, rabbits, guinea pigs. I think I talked to a snake once recently. Here. Um, so that may give you a good idea. That's 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 what comes to mind. So who I work with.
0: I can't imagine talking to a snake. I might talk out one. It'd be something like stay there.
1: <laughs> no, I get that reaction from a lot of people. Luckily for me, I got I got no issues with snakes. They're just like, hey. <laughs> yes. Um
0: that's that would be very interesting. Um and I love your comment about. Miniature donkeys being like big dogs. That's very cute. Um, love that. So, now, why would people connect with you about this? Like, what kinds of things have you heard people say that drives them to come find you?
1: Well, there's some uh, very basic behavioral problems. Um, Talked to a lot of cats who weren't using the litter box.
0: <laughs> and I don't, cat pee I don't think Somebody's
1: going to raise their hand um and and there's we've we've had some luck you know cats make their own decisions even mm-hmm. with the dogs but uh working with that to find out if it's a physical thing excuse me or it's um whether there's some emotion attached and what do we do with that uh dogs uh, a lot of stress related things for dogs um or fear aggression not an animal behaviorist, so i'm not going from that i'm I'm not going from the how to maintain their physical world and and give them physical ideas on how to behave. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm doing the telepathic side of what's going on inside and can we change that? So there's anxiety, uh, fear, uh, guarding food, uh, how they're feeling physically, uh, what the issue is. Um, and even as they get closer to the end of life, uh, again, I guess is another way of saying, how are they feeling? Mm-hmm. Are, are they up to more treatments? Are they like, it's hospice time, you know, things like that and, and, uh, helping people get ready for transitions and, um, sometimes even connecting with the animal after where it's just a help
0: people feel good about that. Mm-hmm. I think I yeah, I heard it. That's, that's really super interesting. And I want to just talk about that end of life stuff for a while and focus in on that. Cause I, okay. I know you have this book and I want to talk a little bit about your book. And then I want to ask you for some tips. Cause I hear lots of the people in this audience are parents and there's lots of family pets and there's always an issue that comes up around you know, say for example, when I was growing up, um, we had a cat that got struck by a car and my father found her on the side of the road. She was still alive, but she'd had kittens. And then there was this whole thing in our house about how to explain it to my sister and I, how to handle that process because it was brand new for us. So I want to talk a little bit about that and some tips that you might have for parents in handling that piece of things because it is kind of um. It's a hard thing to make decisions about. And of course, there's some age-appropriate things and some not age-appropriate things that people can do. So let's talk first, though, about your book. How did your book, Peace in Passing, how did
1: that come
0: up for you?
1: Um, It came up, uh, the first time I wrote it, it came up because I, I was working with a lot of people at the end of their animals' lives, and I was gaining a lot of experience about uh, how we can how we can make it better and what to expect during the transition and even afterwards how to how to look for the signs that they've just come and connected with you uh, and um, then I, I I rewrote it when I realized our grief starts when our animals uh, begin to decline physically or we get a really nasty um, note from the, uh, the, the vet about about their prognosis or what what they have, and and I mean I I imagine that a lot of us have been given that, and it and it just starts you in the looking forward to their death, mm-hmm. and how do you handle that? Mm-hmm. So that's why I, and I had a lot more information about mindsets and how to how to. Help yourself along through there. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take away the grief because grief is, grief is expression of how much we love them. You know, if you didn't, you don't grieve, you don't really grieve over somebody you don't have feelings for. You might say, gee, that's too bad. So-and-so died. Mm -hmm. But when you love somebody, you're going to grieve over their loss. And uh, that includes our animals, those of us who are attached to them like I am. Mm-hmm. And so there's the mindsets you can do of, of um, just understanding about when they're going to choose to transition, how you can help them, uh, how your mindset can change as they, they decline physically, how you can still be there for them. And even setting up the transition and what things you can prepare them for, and how it's going to go, and um, and then a- afterwards, um, starting to say, "Look, I'd like to hear from you. How are you going How are you gonna contact me? Yeah, here's what I'd like. Something like that is. So, I, I ask me another question. This is this is this is a tough subject because I I lost uh, my two dogs and my cat within five weeks uh, last fall. So um, I lived through my book, which I wasn't really expecting to, but where, where are you drawn to or what else, what else can I share?
0: Okay. So again, I think you're absolutely right. There's a lot of pet parents out there, people who um, dearly love their pets and Clearly, that is something that those of us who are pet owners and pet parents must really be prepared to address. You're right. So let's switch to the question around how to handle this if you have human children as well. And so you got this this pet that might be aging, or like in my my case, when I was younger, it was a cat that was struck by a car. Um, what are some tips you could give to parents to help their children work their way through this?
1: Um, I, I, I think, uh, I think one of the things that pops into my head quick enough is to not, not, uh, make it any worse for them than you have to, like, um, so I would not have shown the kid, that kitty to my kids. Right. (laughs) I mean, I, hopefully that's, that, that's like a given, uh, but, but I remember when my granddaughter Her dog was passing away, and um, she wanted to know what was going to happen to him. And um, I said, well, who, who he is is going to kind of just come out of the body and still be there. And then the body is going to be put in a very warm place so you get the ashes back so I wanted to give it a real gentle thing mm-hmm. and if the kids are up to it have them be there if you know we know our kids we know what they can do but mm-hmm. have them be there so they see mm-hmm. uh, one of life's lessons is knowing that we can survive the death of those we love mm-hmm. we, we are we can we can love them and we we can get through with it or through that grief and still move on i love so, that you said that yeah. Yeah.
0: As much as possible, as much as your child is capable of, and you're right, we all know our kids and we know what our kids are good with and not so good with. Have them be a part of that process. I know for my own children, they know when I'm keeping something from them. They might not know (laughs) what it is, but they sure know if I'm keeping something from them. And my youngest in particular will say things like, what aren't you telling me? What? What, what aren't you telling me? What do you know that I don't know? And he's very intuitive and perceptive that way. And and he's also very vocal. Now, not every kid's going to be that vocal, but I do know kids are very perceptive and they pick up on those feelings, those worries, even the conflict like a parent would have around how much of this do I share? How much of this do I not share? Right. Because a family pet is a part of the family. The word family comes first. And so That process of your family pet no longer being with you physically is something that, uh, you know, people have talked about, like having funerals for their fish um, or um, having them come to the vet, maybe not see the end of life moment itself, but having the ability to say their goodbyes and to be able to be sad. And then to have time to sort of talk about that and process that. You're absolutely right. Teaching our children those life skills of how to grieve and that it is okay to grieve and that we can move on day by day and we can, you know, find the happy thoughts and the funny moments down the line. And we can remember our pets and and family members the same fondly and with great love and compassion. Um, And that's okay. And teaching your kids those skills as young as they can handle it, I think is a really good thing. Um, I also think you need to prepare perhaps other people around your children. So for example, I remember when I was teaching uh, that a a kid came to class and said, my fish died yesterday. I'm like, not sure what to do with that comment (laughs) because it's right out of the blue, right? But it was important and they wanted to share that piece of information. And so arming the other adults around your children too, for the fact that they're probably going to want to talk about it. And they may talk about it in a very matter of fact way. They may be sad, right? And then to arming other people with the tools and the skills and the strategies to also be support people for your children as they're working their way through that process is good. And I love what you said there about explaining how the pet physically won't be there any longer, but they will be with you in spirit. And I think that that's an amazing, amazingly comforting thing to say to a child so that Death doesn't have to be this really big scary thing. Now, I have heard people, I've heard of people who have just simply told their children that their pet was going to sleep and then they don't wake up anymore. Um, and that I see your reaction is exactly what I thought you were I would see for yeah.
1: What what do I will I will I let happen to me, mommy, when I go to sleep? Exactly. You're right.
0: So not a wise decision to do that, especially if your child has uh, issues with sleeping anyway, they may not sleep anymore now. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I recommend gentle honesty is always the best policy. Gentle honesty, Mm -hmm. be gentle with them, recognize that, you know, their brains are still developing and, and they don't have full understanding of, you know, your Your pet lives for this many years and you're probably going to live way longer than your pet. um, Right. So again, gentle honesty is just such a good policy and then being prepared because it's going to come up a few times. And I think you got a few extra things to say about that. I do.
1: do. Thank you. Thank you for um, bringing it around to that. One of the things that we did and a lot of people are doing now, and if you do it with your kids. Is like think about the thing that they love the most and do it together as a family. Uh, like we took uh, we took our the doggy uh, couldn't walk anymore, so went in the little red rider and took him down to Dyke Marsh Park around ours off the Potomac River, and it was my husband and I and our two dogs at the time, and and my son's family, and that was the last time outside, and we all did it together, so we had this really beautiful memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's cool and about the uh, memorials yeah I have in, in my book and thank you for saying that they had a memorial for one of the let's see, one of the smaller animals whether it was a guinea pig or a rabbit and then and people sometimes don't quote-unquote shrines where there's the collar and there's a picture and mm-hmm. somebody wrote a poem and somebody somebody else drew a beautiful um you know, crayon drawing. And so there's a little place that you can look at and you feel, and the kid, the young man that I'm talking about, who's probably about 12 at the time, and his mom put this together. Mm-hmm. So they felt like they weren't forgetting them. And I think that's they,
0: beautiful. And it, what a was, nice way to bring your children into it with you. I would even go so far as to say, um, have your children be part of the planning. What would they like to see? What would help them? Right? That's true. Um, and so let them be part of the planning of whatever that's going to be. Are we going to stand around the toilet with the fish? <laughs> <laughs> as silly as it sounds, I know people who've done it. And everybody says a few words about the fish. And then there's a whole ceremony and and then the fish is flushed.
1: And, and we did with my with my kids being so little, we when we had one of the little I think the one of their little birds, very small, uh, put in into a little shoebox and and sh- the kids buried it in in the yard. And mm-hmm. we, we said a little, we you know, said a few words over just like it was a little ceremony. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think cool. that that's important because
0: it allows... Ceremonies for humans allows either openings or closures, right? We have them yes. all the time. So I think as adults, if we're having them and those those rituals, those ceremonies help us to process what's going on. Then creating one with your children that they can be a part of allows them to move through that process as well. And it's it can be quite beautiful, and it can be very sweet and very tender. Um, it can also be very humorous. It depends on the child you got there and how they want to handle it or the pet. Maybe the pet was a silly pet and did silly things all the time. And so the child wants to do something silly. Um, again, you know, following up on that allows your child to move through that process um, because lots of families have pets. And, um, you know, that's a, a a thing many families do, a dog, a cat, a, a fish, a parakeet, maybe a snake. We all know how what I would be saying to that snake, but, you know. Um, <laughs> I know people have pet rats, like you know, there's lots of different things that people can have as a pet and they develop those attachments and then allowing children to process that that on the physical world this attachment no longer exists because you cannot see or touch or feel and like tangibly feel your pet. Yes but that you can have all these fond memories that you can, you're allowed to feel a bit sad. You're allowed to laugh at things that were silly and tell stories that make you giggle and remember them with kindness and compassion. And then moving forward, if a family wanted to get a new pet shortly after say another pet has transitioned, what would be your advice for them around that?
1: Uh, Sincerely, is it should I would love it to be a joint decision for, with everybody? If somebody's not ready, I, I, you know, don't just shove the next one in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and usually there's somebody who, in my experience, in my own family, there's somebody who's really ready to get the next one, and um, somebody else is still, which is me, who's like, I'm still grieving. I, I am not ready. And so if it, maybe it's the child, I don't know, maybe the child's really ready, but mom or dad are like, give us a few, give us some time, sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that we all need to be really committed to We really all, all want to be excited and it's going to take me a little more time or are we all on and let's go, let's go find that dog or that cat or that rabbit. Hmm.
0: I love what you said there. Um to really make it a family decision. Again, as much as your children can be involved if they're very young, or like my oldest son has some disabilities and maybe doesn't fully understand what's going on, um, to bring them in as much as they can be a part of that process. I think again, beautiful. That's a beautiful statement. Who knew this was gonna be about parenting today? right? This conversation, but it's important because pets and families are so inextricably intertwined, right? People, Mm. I grew up with pets and, and everybody I knew had a pet and we have pets in my house right now. Um, you know, we have our dog here in the house and previously we've had cats and there have been fish, you know, we've, we've had pets. (laughs) And so I think it's important to, to remember that we love our pets. Um, And that is in this transition process um, that we bring our children along with us. I mean, sometimes we feel the need to protect them and by protecting them, we don't tell them things or we don't include them. But really, like I said before, children are perceptive and they're very aware of things going on around them, even if they don't have the words or the ability to be able to say those things. So bringing them with you takes a little more time, takes a little more effort, having those conversations it's difficult it's not an easy conversation to have right thank you for being a part of the living your legacy podcast community in 2022 we can honestly say 2023 is going to be an exciting year we've got some new things going on that we'd like to share with you The Living Your Legacy podcast is now offering advertising spots. We found many entrepreneurs spent lots of money on advertising last year, only to find that they weren't falling in front of their ideal audience. We'd love to help you get your message out. Let's discuss this. Click the link in the show notes to book a time to chat and see if this could be a good fit for you. Now let's switch gears and talk about when a pet joins a family. If you've got children, what are some advice that you would give to families about a new pet coming in?
1: Ooh, that's a tough one. Let me think about it because I I I think I just uh, winged it. so I
0: was thinking that it would yeah, be so, again yeah. a good family Thank decision
1: you. to make. A Good family decision. Um, uh, so here's what comes to mind, and, and hopefully we can talk more about it. I think it's really important for for um, parents to watch the interactions as the the pet and the kid learns how to be friends, mm. and watch for like. Um, If you have a young kid and you got an old, I can, I just remember my dog, Missy uh, and my, my Patrick, when he was about a year old and he was, he was like pulling and stuff like that. And she wasn't having any of it. And so like watching that and she did a really smart thing. She just like went, "Ah, I'm really mad at you. And then she jumped and ran away. And so I knew like, I always need to give her a place to, to get away from the kids. And I also need to notice when they've had enough um, so that the interactions are always good. Uh, and maybe teaching children to have, I hope, empathy. If you got somebody who's come from a tough background and there's some real quirky stuff going on, you know, we can help them open their hearts to these little dogs and cats or whatever's mm-hmm. coming in, giving them time to get used to things. And uh, I really hope it would be a chance to help our children learn to love those that that uh, are, are a little bit different, a little bit harder, and then get that back in return. Cause I think you could start empathy. I think having pets is a great way for children to learn empathy if we're mm-hmm. if if we can just look for chances and ways to help them interact in that way. Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's extraordinary. I also think responsibility, mm-hmm. um, you know, to help build that bond between a pet and a child, allowing the child to do things like, say, for example, being involved in feeding the pet. Um because the association with food and and people for pets is usually a really positive one, depending on the circumstances. But in my family, the person who feeds the dog gets all his love when the food's coming. <laughs> right. So, so how, building that in, it's also good responsibility building for the children, right? To understand that yeah. that we rely on each other. We are an interdependent
1: species. Yeah i am and... talk to you a funny story. All right. Yeah. I mean, well, so I do remember Patrick at that same age. We were stationed out in, outside of San Francisco. And Missy, he he couldn't say her name. And he, he was at the age. He was like, hmm That's as close as he got. But he and I would go out to pick up poop in the backyard. And his job was to find the poop. And my job was to pick it up. <laughs> was he very started, skilled at it? started him at a very young age. Mm -hmm. But he had fun with it. That's amazing. The search for, uh, luckily, we also had search for for other stuff, but we we had a little fun there. That's good. I love that. And again,
0: I think, you know, when you're working with your pet on learning maybe some skills, like how, when to sit, how to sit, what are you going to say? Are you going to say the word sit? Is there a hand gesture associated with it? You know, usually a lot of those things are taught with treats and, um, So thinking about how you can involve your children in that process, right? And then that builds that relationship between them and the animal as well. It also allows them to see you engaging with the animal, but the animal to see you engaging with them as well. So there's a bunch of learning that goes on there. And if it's done in a way that's kind and humorous, then everybody walks away from that feeling good. And those building blocks of the relationships are in place. And of course, teaching your children to be responsible. Well, that's never a bad thing uh, no. because we need responsible adults. So, you know, it's it's good. It's a good thing to teach our children as early and as often as we can. So I love that piece. And then looking, you're right, pay attention to the pet too. How are they engaging with the child. Is there something the child does that the pet loves? That's something you can follow up on and say, you know, um, the dog really loves it when you scratch him right there under the chin, like you just did. So the next time you talk to the dog, why don't you try to scratch under his or her chin? And I bet Mm -hmm. that that dog's going to really like that. Or, you know, you pulled the dog's tail and the dog growled a little bit. What do you think that means? Oh, probably didn't like it. So maybe we shouldn't do that again right? And so teaching the child to pay attention to what the dog is doing. Um, We have a service dog in our house. And of course, he's trained to be um, very obedient. Uh, He follows commands extraordinarily well, as he should. And, uh, you know, he was trained to work with my son and my son was about seven when we got him, which would have made my younger son about Two and a half, maybe three. And of course, my younger son was about, well, he looked the dog eye to eye. (laughs) They were standing up. They were they were eyeball to eyeball, those two. And so you know, big dog, little boy. And uh, it was very interesting to watch that relationship because my little guy did pretty much everything to the dog. And I mean everything. At one point I heard this this whining and I came around the corner and the dog was sitting and my son was standing in front of him and he told the dog to open his mouth and he was holding the dog's tongue in his fingers and looking at it. And the dog was like, "Ah, oh, can someone come But he didn't bite him. He didn't get aggressive with him in any way. He just kind of whined loudly enough for one of the adults to come. In which case then we had a conversation with my son about how he shouldn't really do that. And the dog probably doesn't like it. And, you know, our tongues would get dry and his tongue is going to get dry. And that's not comfortable. But it was really funny to watch. So the dog developed this one thing. And that is that he would stay completely still and just growl. No teeth bared, no nothing. He would just, it would be a very quiet little growl, but there was a growl. And I taught the kids, this is him saying, stop it. I don't like that. It doesn't feel good. And so once we, once he started doing that and we paid attention, um, it was good. We still do that to this day. I'm like, you know, the dog's growling. Pretty sure he's not liking what you're doing there. Um, And then usually he gets up and makes his way over to me because he knows mom will make the kids stop. (laughs)
1: And they, you know that's a really good point because um, maybe probably people know this, but the growling is like the first one that says politely, "Please stop." And then if you, if like they, if we tell them not to growl, if they get angry enough, they move up the ladder to make sure that their point is known. And so I love the fact that you said just listen to the growling because then he doesn't go. It they don't have to go any farther. Because it they're listening to not so he don't have to get up the,
0: none of that happens. Nope. It. Nothing happens, but it was, it was funny. Cause it came from the dog. It was not something we taught him. It was a situation, not the one with the tongue. He whined on that one, but on another, <laughs> on another one. Um, and it may have had something to do with exploring the fact that his bum is right below his tail. There was, there were, like I said, this child's done everything to the dog. So, um, And just in an exploratory way, not in an unkind or cruel way, just curious about the dog's anatomy is different and, you know, there's fur everywhere and, you know, what, how far does his ear go in? Cause he has big floppy ears. You know, he's just curious about him, And so the dog would get very still and just the growl. And, and I thought, oh, well, how smart of you to, to make that decision that this is a small person who clearly doesn't understand nothing is being done maliciously or to hurt you. This is curiosity. And you know, he adores that my son adores the dog. They're still like best friends. I used to find them asleep together all the time on the dog Mm -hmm. bed when he was little and that he would be cuddled up and the dog would have two legs. He'd be lying on his side, two legs over my son. Like, as if he was spooning him um i found them like that all the time like they adored each other and so looking at it from that perspective i thought gosh this dog is teaching all of us something here about how to engage with him he didn't want to be he's a big dog and he didn't want to be aggressive or knock over my son or any of those things he recognized that there was this real kinship there but some of the stuff that my son was doing didn't feel so good he's like mm, right. I don't like your finger in my ear
1: it's a a very polite dog way to say please don't yes like and we're done now yeah what
0: i used to say to my son all the time that is the dog telling you and we're done now (laughs) so we need to listen to that um and then you know they would carry on doing whatever they were doing and loving each other um and so i love that 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 piece and that circles back to what you said pay attention pay attention to that relationship pay attention to what's being forged there What's happening with the communication on both sides yeah. um, from the child, from the pet, right? What's happening there and how do we help them forge a relationship? Like I said, my my son and my dog like adore each other. I still find, and he's almost 14 now as of this recording, mm-hmm. I still find them cuddled up on the dog bed um, together, right? Because they just mm-hmm. love each other. And so I think that that's so important when you got children and pets and you want to teach them about that. And I love you talked about empathy. The world needs more empathy right now, for sure. Um, so teaching your children early about respecting boundaries with with their siblings, yeah. with their with your pets, right? Respect those boundaries. If somebody's telling you this isn't comfortable and they don't like it, the smart move would be to stop. Absolutely. Right? That's Absolutely. the smart decision in that case. It is. It is.
1: As, and it's um, empathetic, and it's it's emotional intelligence. I don't. There's lots, lots of good things to be taught there.
0: Yep. And I agree. Having pets is an amazing way to forge relationships. I know over COVID, lots of people got pets because this idea of being alone is hard as human beings. We are designed, we're social creatures. We are designed to be around other people. And when we suddenly couldn't, there was a whole flux of, of pets being taken in. Um, And, and in some cases people handled it really well and other cases, not so much. So we're seeing pets with behavioral things now because they were brought into a situation where the person was home all the time and 24 hours a day, and then they went back to work and that transition didn't go very well or was really Mm -hmm. hard. So if somebody has got a pet that's dealing with some of these things from COVID, what would be some tips that you'd give them?
1: So, um. I, uh, let's see, it depends on the pets, but um, no, this is not an animal communication point of view. Uh, but first off, maybe they need, somebody needs to be with them a little bit. So if you got a chance that you can take them, somebody can take care of them and come visit them or see something like that. Because uh, uh, the animals that you live in our house generally enjoy company. They're not meant to be by themselves. That's not just, they're not wired that way. And so, whatever you can do to to give them some company really is cool. Um, From an animal communication point of view, if you get intentional about explaining to them that you'll always come home, and I do that with visuals. So, you can imagine that you say, I'm going to be gone. I'll be back. And as you say, I'll be back, you show them, you you picture this in your head, and you you just have the mindset, just like they're going to get this, of you coming back in. I'll be back. And then you might even say, this is animal communication. Have some pictures of things they can do while you're gone. You know, where's their bed? Where's their food? Where's their toys? What window can they look outside of? Um, remind them of things to do and then um, there's a way that I have that you can connect from the heart and even think about them when you're at work and just send them some love and say or wherever you're at I'm coming back I love you so much so so they don't feel forgotten Mm -hmm. so there's a little I think a little bit of both there's in the physical world and there's also the the connecting telepathically and they love us a lot. They're ready. They're ready to hear stuff from us. So it's a it's a good thing to do.
0: Oh, I love those suggestions. That's a great idea. Just like you yeah. would tell your children that you're you're leaving. You'll be gone for ten minutes or an hour, and you'll mm-hmm. be right back. I think that that's great to to offer that information to people.
1: Okay. The important part, because is, it, is it's not just the words, but you have a picture in your mind. Mm-hmm. Because, and and imagine that they're actually getting it. And you don't know how this works. You don't have to. You just say, okay, show them, you know, coming back in the door. Yay, everybody's happy. Thank you for letting me just clarify that point.
0: Absolutely. I think that's amazing. So now I know that you've got a freebie um, that you're offering to people. Five things your pets want you to know. Tell yeah. us a little bit about that. What do our pets yeah. want us to know?
1: Well, um... Here's the thing that I love the most is you think you picked us. We picked you two. I just believe uh, I deep in my heart that um, somehow, somewhere in the world of energy, we we both decided that we were going to spend some time together of our lives together. And so it's no accident that we end up with the animals that we end up. And so there's, there's a mutual bond there. Mm-hmm. I think it it if it's if it's full of love, it continues even past the body's death. That that they survive death, and there's still a connection between us and them. If we go first, and I've met some people where they their animal's behind, yeah there's still that connection of love and it's still there with us as long as we want to keep it. So those are the two things is we picked each other and, and that love, love is eternal if you want to think of it that way.
0: Mm -hmm. That is very beautiful. I really like that. So let's talk a little bit now in in our conversation before the interview. um, And I want to circle back to the idea of legacy. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, this this podcast and TV show is about creating legacy, so let's talk a little bit about the legacy that that you're working on and what you would love to see out in the world. Okay,
1: so in my connection with animals, I've realized that there's there's a much greater depth to them than maybe we were we were brought up to believe, and I think there's a lot of research about that. So I would love to see. Actually, I'd love to see more people communicating uh, telepathically with their animals, and even if you don't, to start treating them like they are—they are fully 360-degree, fully functioning beings with emotions, thoughts, desires, feelings and that we would start treating them with as much as cares and respect as we do in our best day with humans. I'm gonna to have to say it that way, mm-hmm. but I would really love for everybody to figure out a way to be a, a bit kinder to the animals in their world. Well, however it shows up for you, um, you know, even if it's some folks uh, foster dogs and cats, some people uh, find and create foundations to help animals. Uh, some people tell the world about things that need to be changed and how we how we uh, treat animals. And it's not, and and of course it's our pets, but I would even love it to go to all species because I think once we get back to respect and love for the whole, I'm going like this the whole planet, we might be able to shift. Um, how things are going to turn out for us as human beings on the planet.
0: (laughs) That is a very good point. Um, And you're right. We don't know. I, I, as a teacher, I always heard lots of kids saying that they wanted to do something for animals. And there's lots of organizations that you can get involved with or um, join or start. I've heard most recently locally to me that they have pet food banks. Because with the changes with COVID, with the job insecurity, lots of families have pets. And if the family has food insecurity, then you can bet so does the pet, right? So people starting up pet food banks or in disaster zones, Uh, again, locally, we've had floods, we've had fires, we've had one right after the other, (laughs) like hot One finishes and the other starts. And of course, it's not just families that are impacted by that, but the animals around too. So you think of farmers trying to save their herds. Uh, You think of people trying to save their pets in a situation, you know, where there's flooding or where there's uh, fires or whatever there is, earthquakes, tsunamis, like whatever is happening. So there is certainly a need worldwide for people to to be able to do something good, right, um, around yes. the world.
1: Yes, and it, and it can be local or it can be global. I I like to, I I like to search out folks that are doing good, and um, I like to support them financially. Really, um, the other thing I learned is uh, I didn't make the connection immediately, but if you find some good conservation groups. 'cause there's if you think of wild animals, they need a little more land to live on, and you get conservation groups that are keeping enough land for orangutans mm-hmm. to survive and thrive and um, you can name any animal that needs a place to live and if, if if you if you've got a conservation group that's working to keep more wild lands around, mm-hmm. that's another place of conservation's your your Cool place. Find one that that thinks about what what the impact is on animals, and uh, go for the, those folks. And you know, however it can be. I I adopt um, I adopt from places where uh, there's shelters or uh, SPCAs, things like that. so that's that's half the way that I part of the way that I do it also. So we've all got our thing that we could do. It's what really grabs your heart, and you say, "Okay, yeah, I want to do this." Mm -hmm. I would love that if more people did that.
0: What a great legacy to put out in the world, right? Um, To look out for not just our people, but the animals that are that share this planet with us as well. I love that, and I'm guessing you'd probably like to hear from people if they were doing something or decided to take on a legacy of some sort.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely.
0: Very good. So you heard it here. If this is what you're doing already, if this is now what's inspired you to go do something, then absolutely reach out to Maribeth and get in touch with her because um, she would love to know what's going on and what organizations are out there and, and mm-hmm. what you're doing in the world. Because again, if you're doing it, I bet there's somebody along the way who might like to support you too. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. I love that. And I love the direction this conversation went in today, talking about families and their pets and, and the journey with animals. Like, there's a lot of really cool things there. And again, if you are a family who's considering having a pet, there's some great tips in here about things to think about before you bring a pet into your home. I mean, obviously it's not just for your life, but it's the life of that pet. and And you need to be clear that that you have a relationship. So if you're afraid of dogs, it's probably not a good idea to go get a dog. Um, I don't see that situation ending very well, unless a lot of work goes in to sort it out. Or, you know, if you're allergic to cats and you bring a cat home, well, you need to kind of deal with the fact that we can't keep them trapped in a small space because they're cats. Um, and you know, you're going to have cats around you. And if that's a problem, then it's probably not a wise decision. So you're giving some thought to those things and how you're going to forge that relationship with your pet, how you're going to help your children forge a relationship with that pet, and then how you're going to deal with when that pet transitions um, and how you can support your children and your family as you're going through that process. Super rich discussion today about that. And Maribeth, I'm pretty sure that there's going to be people out there who are going to want to connect with you after hearing this, hearing your story. Maybe some people who are retired Navy people who are like, that woman's doing some cool things. I need to talk to her. Um, Or maybe there's people who like adore their pets and are having some challenges and they don't really know what to do. And they might like some more information. What's some ways that people can find you?
1: Well, um, let's see. So you've got, I've got my website, um. Which I've tried to put as much information on it as possible. It's uh, sacredgrove.com, dot com. Can I be funny here? It's sure. not scary, scary grove. I've heard that. So it's not scary grove and it's not sacred groove. Okay. Yes. That, those are two very different, different things. They, you know, it's like no, sacred groove. Sacred Grove. <laughs> Okay. And you can also email me um, Mary marybeth at sacredgrove.com, m-a-r-i-b-e-t-h at sacredgrove.com. And I'd, I'd love
0: to hear from you. Thank you. Fantastic. So, if you didn't get a chance to write those down because you're driving, don't be distracted while you're driving. Um, all that information will be in the show notes. So, you can click, just scroll down at the bottom when it's over and it's safe to do so. And all that information will be there for you. Uh, Mirabeth, this has been a really interesting and unique conversation today. I'm so excited that we had this opportunity to share this information because, again, we don't know you and I who was listening, who maybe has a real love for animals and now is suddenly thinking about, oh, I want to do something in this field or somebody who's doing something or would like to do something and isn't quite sure about what to do. Now they have someone to connect with where they can bounce ideas or get information or all that kind of stuff. I think this has been absolutely amazing. Thank you for sharing some of your time with
1: us today. Oh, it's been such a delight to talk about all this stuff. Thank you for taking me down these roads. It's been lovely.
0: Oh, I love a good (laughs) journey. Let me tell you, it's always fun. Thanks for coming with me on it.
1: (laughs) It's Michelle. It's perfect.
0: Does the thought of follow-up give you a foul taste? Do you find yourself wondering how you can ever stand out from the crowd, but need it to be easy and convenient? With a system like Send Out Cards, you can stay in touch and top of mind with only a few keystrokes. People's inboxes might be full, but their mailboxes are empty. Reach people literally where they live, work, or play and watch the warm fuzzies go to work for you. See the show notes for a link where you can send your first card on me. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share it with a friend. Together, we can inspire more people to start living their legacy too. And let's keep the conversation going. We would love to hear all about your journey in living your legacy and support you along the way. Join our Facebook community, Living Your Legacy Podcast, where we connect, collaborate, and celebrate each other. Can't wait to see you there.